Have your Bibles flipped to Matthew chapter one. We're going to read uh, part of that. I, I want to. I want you to think about, like, honestly, um, you know that song we were just singing, "Glory, Glory in the Highest." Um, just made me think of, uh, obviously, our uh, part of the Christmas narrative, part of the Christmas story. You know, when when uh, it says that the uh, shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, they were keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths, and lying in a manger. And suddenly, it says, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And I, I thought about as I heard you guys, everybody, not just the choir and, and the praise team, but hearing everybody sing that song, if you can only imagine, maybe just in a simple glimpse of what it's going to possibly sound like when you get to heaven. I don't even think we even have a comprehension necessarily because uh, I, I don't think we're going to understand the magnitude while we're here on earth of what it's going to be like when we worship. Just to listen to the voices sing and echo that right here is just like, I don't know, maybe like one one thousandth of probably what it's going to be like when we get there. Like that's the excitement that we should have. And I want you to think about this as you flip in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, and then I want to encourage you, you can flip to 1 John chapter 4. We already read 1 John chapter 4, but I, I want you to think about the magnitude of what we just talked about. I mean, even as we've gone into child dedication, do you remember when your children were born? Maybe you haven't had children yet, so you could say no, right? But for those of us who have had children, do you remember when your child was born? And I remember holding each one of them. I'd take my little pinky and I would stick it in their hand and they would just grip and hold on so tightly. And it got me thinking, like the night that Jesus was born, how did Mary and Joseph respond? Right? Like for me, right, I remember sitting in Bolivar, Missouri in the hospital holding my kids, each one of them, in a separate room, sitting in this recliner that they had in the birth room and holding them and thinking I would do anything and everything to protect them. And I want you to think about it in this way, that the night that Mary held Jesus or Jesus held Mary's finger, that someday those hands would be spread across on a cross and punctured with nails to hold them there. That the very feet, she probably thought, oh, look at how cute his feet are, would be the very thing that would hold his body aching and broken up on the cross. I just want to give you just a simple glimpse of the love that we talk about. You know, we look at all this, and we've talked about these four candles, right? We talked about hope. We've talked about peace. We talked about joy. Now we're talking about love. And all of those things, all four of those things are fruits of the Spirit, right? All of those in some way, shape, or form are fruit of the Spirit. You know, we talk about hope and really the idea of patience and things like that. Hope isn't necessarily a fruit of the Spirit, but we have the hope of a Savior in Jesus our Lord. But the reality is, and we'll talk about this on Christmas Eve, the center of all that is Christ. We can't have hope. You can't have peace. You can't have joy. And you'll never experience love apart from Christ. 
You may say, yeah, I do. But to be very clear and very understanding of what it is, it says that God is love. And if you don't know God, you don't know love. And if you don't know God, you can't give love. The reality is we, we can't experience any of those things. So if you have your Bibles again, Matthew chapter 1, I just want to read just a very simple part of this, and then we're going to jump into 1 John chapter 4. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to know very clearly, very specifically, that that statement right there, found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, is what sets Jesus apart from everyone else. It's the reason Jesus was able to be sinless. It's the reason Jesus was able to be supernaturally 100% God and yet at the same time 100% man. Because it was a supernatural occurrence as a result of the Holy Spirit. There was no human activity involved in what took place. And in verse 19 it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now I want to get very simply or understand very simply what's going on there with Joseph. I believe that Joseph in a certain way is showing the love of God in the midst of facing one of the most trying circumstances or situations he's ever thought of. How did my wife end up pregnant when nothing has happened? And you and I would know that that would be the question all of us would ask, and all of us would think something surely had to happen, but the truth of the matter is, it was called a supernatural touching. It's called the incarnation, what we call it. Verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. There's number two. Second time he said it. It's a supernatural thing. It's the incarnation of God with man, God with us, Emmanuel. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I just wanted to open with that. If you have your Bibles, again, flip to 1 John chapter 4. The text will be on the screen above you if you do not have one. I do want to encourage you, and I, I say this consistently. I love phones, don't get me wrong, but I think there's uh, some great necessity for you to have a Bible that can be marked up, written in, taken notes on, and used on a daily, consistent basis. Now, I listen, I know. We can, we can overemphasize a book, physical book, and not emphasize enough what God does in us and through us through his word. And I want you to also know that we were even talking about this today uh, in, our, in our class, in the Believe class, is this, that, that, that Christianity has been an oral tradition for years. And so if you use your phone, use your phone in a great way. I hope you listen to it. I hope you saturate your life in God's word through your phone. Let God's word sink into your heart. Let it change you from the inside out because I believe that's the very thing with which all change happens. So as we look at this today, um, we think about this. I want you to notice that we've talked about four candles, uh, which in reality are also represent the four uh, fruits of the spirit. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about it, we would see that all of these are in some way, shape, or form played out in the text. But I want you to also know this, that the four candles are hope, peace, joy, and love, and hope and patience, I believe, relate to each other. But I want you to notice 
the reality. We're looking at love last when love is actually the first fruit of the Spirit. And here's the reason why. Because apart from love, you can't know any of the rest of them. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? So it lays those things out. But listen, as we look at the last candle, you may ask, well, then why are we doing love last? And I believe it's because of this, that love is the most important thing of all of these. It's the most important fruit from which all the rest come from. And love comes last in the candles because love is the most important as we work our way to the central aspect of Christmas, which is God's love for us in Christ. So as we've gone through these four candles, we've looked at each one of those simple topics in, a, in, a, in, in various texts, I want us to look at the, the idea of what the love of God means day in and day out in our lives. So whether you're excited about celebrating the birth of Jesus or whether you're dreading the feelings it may stir inside, I don't know, maybe some of you haven't gone shopping <laughs> like me. <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. Like, if, if shopping was a spiritual gift, well, let me clarify. If premeditated shopping was a spiritual gift for Christmas, my wife would be a number one. Like, I can remember years past where it's like October. She's like, I'm done Christmas shopping. It's like, who thinks about Christmas in September? Yes, my wife, <laughs> right? It, it is what it is. It's one of those things. And it, it's oftentimes, I'm the guy who's like scrambling last moment, like, what do I get? What, what on Prime can come tomorrow? No, I'm just... <laughs> so whether you're excited or not, I want to encourage you this, this, with this simple statement, with this phrase. I want you to keep this in mind. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this today, that God's love in us leads us to love others because God is love. God's love in us leads us to love others because God is love. Like, it is his nature. It is his character. It is him. As a matter of fact, we can't use the term love apart from God because according to Scripture, God is love. So to sit back and say, I love someone apart from God, it's impossible to be or to understand that truth. And so what I want to do today is just simply look at 1 John chapter 4 in a very simple way and to look at what God says about love in that text. Number one is this, that God's love or love comes from God. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. You and I can't love apart from a relationship with God. You may say, well, that's not necessarily true. It is true in the sense of what we're looking at. An unconditional love is only built upon an unconditional God. Matter of fact, we just read a little bit earlier, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, right? For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is the example of love. He, is the, he bears the character of love. He carries all of those things out. He's the founder of love. He's the initiator of love. He's the perfect example of love. And love like faith in God's Son is a product of the Spirit. I can't have an unconditional love for my wife, for my kids, for my friends, for my family, or for anybody else, apart from having a relationship with God. 
Matter of fact, I would venture to say that most of us would sit back and say that in some way, shape, or form, most of us experienced conditional love, right? Like, if you do things right, I will love you. If you don't do things right, I will what? Kick you in the teeth. You know? That's a conditional love. If you love unconditionally, it's not based upon anything you do. If you love conditionally, it's based upon what a person does. Do they reciprocate the love feeling? Do they give it back? Galatians, again, talks about it. The very foundation of the fruit of the Spirit is love. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. We can go right through that. See, love stems from a regeneration of our heart. In other words, it's a rebirth of our heart. It's this idea that love comes from God, and as a result, I am born new, which is what we see in 1 Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So love comes from God. Oswald Chambers, the famous, if you have the Oswald Chambers devotional, you may have heard this at some point, says this, God and love are synonymous. Love is not an attribute of God, it is God. Whatever God is, love is. So it's important for us to understand when we look at that. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Though we're incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. Though we may feel afraid, God's perfect love casts out fear. So make no mistake about it. He loves every one of us in all of our sins, in all of our flaws, our imperfections, our awkwardness, our brokenness. God is love, and love comes from God. We see that played out. I want you to see this, though. If you don't have love, you don't have God. And if you have no God, you have no love. Listen to what he says in verse The end of verse 7 into verse 8. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, we can't give to others what we don't receive, right? You ever been to a dry well? So this last summer, we were up in our, at, our, at our cabin in Wyoming. We have a cabin up there, and for those of you who don't know. And uh, we go out there. We have a well. Matter of fact, uh, my grandfather found the well. Anybody ever heard of water witching? A lot of people think it's satanic. It's not satanic, right? I could do it in my yard. You ever, anybody, anybody old school people ever water witched? All right? You could go out in your yard. Matter of fact, go home. You're going to find something out real quick. I don't know why they call it water witching. It's just the way the earth works. It's the way God created things, right? Um, you could take a, a coat hanger, metal coat hanger, cut two L-shaped pieces out of it, and you're going to hold it in your hand. And I want you to walk across your yard. Go to where you think your gas line is or maybe where your main electrical line comes in. And as you start to walk, you'll do this. All of a sudden, those coat hangers are sticking out this way. As I cross the gas line, it goes whoop, and they pull in together. And I'll walk past it, and it goes whoop, and it goes right back out. Well, my grandfather found this well. He digs it, or well, we dug it. We we put the well pump in. But this summer, it's been dry for the last, oh, 10 years. But this summer, we're, we're, we're sucking sand. Like, something's got to be wrong. With the well's dry. We're having problems. Um, and so we spent hours. My, my uncle and I get down there. We pull the well pump out. It's 50, 50 feet down, and we're pulling everything out. We replace the pump. We do all of this stuff, only to find out we had a break in the line. 
pump worked perfectly fine. Well, no problem. We had a break in the main up to our up to our house, and so we were losing all the water, and we were like, we couldn't figure out what was going on. But I want you to know this, that God has a never-ending supply of love. And the only way that you and I can give love to other people is when we remain in the well of the love of God that he has for us. See, a lot of times what we end up doing is this. We think, I can step outside of my relationship with God. I can step outside of any relationship with the church. I can stay away from his word. And you try and give love, and you end up running into problems. And here's the problem. You're trying to give out of a dry well. You're sucking sand. And then we have things like this. Well, now my love is based upon conditions. And that condition is when my wife does something right, I'll love her. When a coworker treats me right, I'll love him. But if they don't, guess what? It's all hands on deck. We're going to go to battle. And I'm not going to love that person. And listen again what he says. He says, if you don't have a relationship with God, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, but whoever does not love does not know God. So my question to you would be this. Do you love in an unconditional way? Or are you a conditional person? Do you allow the love of God to, to, to seep into your life to pump into you? Do you stay buried in the well of the love of God? Or have you pulled out and said, listen, I'm, it's only based upon the conditions because we can't give to others what we don't have in and of ourselves. That's the reality of the love of God. If you don't have any love, you don't know God. If you know God, then you should be able to give the unconditional love that he's talked about. See, in our sinful state and brokenness, we try and give love from an empty well. But when we've given our life to Christ and we stay immersed and fed by his spirit, right? The fruit of the spirit is love. Then I can stay buried in the well of the love of God and I can give unconditional love to those who even offend me, to those who persecute me, to the enemies who surround me, right? You ever thought about that when Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? And everybody's like, yeah, whatever, bro. Get out of my house, right? That's usually the attitude we have for most Christians. When Jesus says, listen, if if I'm asking you or telling you to love your enemy, you have to understand that that love comes as a supernatural result of the Spirit working in your life so that you can bear or show the love of God to those people who don't know him. Think about that. When Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, most of us would be like, I'll shoot my enemy and I'll pray that God keeps him alive. That's usually the response. I'll take my enemy out, and maybe if God has mercy on his soul, he'll keep him alive. When God's saying, no, 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 no. You love your enemies, and you pray for those who persecute you. See, when we realize how much God loves us, then we can love not from our love, but from the love of God in us. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. He says, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Think about that. You ever thought about your feelings and emotions, right? Like what kind of feelings and emotions do you go through day in and day out? You may wake up in a good mood and 15 minutes later you're in a bad mood. Why? Because something happened. 
You may wake up in a terrible mood and 20 minutes later you're in a good mood. Why? Because something happened. And C.S. Lewis just says it in a very simple way. Our feelings are going to come and go, but listen, God's love for us never does. It never changes. It never fails. It never ceases. He's always going to love us. And listen to what it says in number three. I want you to focus on this, that God showed his love in Christ. This is what he says. This is how God showed his love among us. Verse nine, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the truth of the matter is that God showed his love for us in Christ. So as we go into the Christmas season, we might think about Christmas trees and Christmas presents and and lights and and all of those things. But the reality should be, we should be thinking about the four main candles all built upon or centered by Christ first and foremost. I can experience peace. I can experience hope. I can experience joy. And I can experience love at Christmas, regardless of if I ever get a gift under the tree. Because the greatest gift I can ever receive is the gift that God gave me in Jesus Christ. And that is the very essence of what he wants us to know. God shows his love to us in Christ being born. I want to draw your attention right back to that, right? We're thinking about glory to God in the highest. Jesus is born, shows up to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. And at the same time, I want you to think about that very baby innocent baby, hands and feet complete, not scarred, not scared, not worried, came in to this earth to pay the ultimate price that one day those same innocent hands and feet would be nail-scarred hands and feet. That crown, that head that Mary most likely, just like every mom I ever saw, would pull close and nuzzle up against her would be one day the nail-scarred head of Jesus, or I mean, sorry, the thorn-scarred head of Jesus. See, God shows his love to us in Jesus. That's how we can read John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? The idea of giving. We celebrate Christmas because the greatest gift in all the world was given to God by or to, given by God to humanity. That's why the Apostle Paul calls Jesus God's indescribable gift in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Jesus is indescribable because he is completely unique. Jesus was fully God and fully human. At the same time, he became the atoning sacrifice. That idea of atonement is the sacrifice that paid for all of mankind. He, he made the payment price. He made the sacrifice that we couldn't make. There's no greater gift that God can give to the world other than his son. And as a result, I just want to simply close with this. We must love one another. Listen, when we say God's love in us leads us to love others because God is love, then it's our call to love one another. Now, I want you to think about that because we got this idea, just as I said, that oftentimes it's conditional. I'll love that person if they agree with me. Like, all you guys are wrong. I don't love you because you're Chiefs fans. (laughs) And my Broncos got thumped last night. So anyways, every Chiefs fan probably was like, yeah. Um, Yeah. You see how petty conditional things can be, honestly? 
Like, that's just a stupid joke. But let's be realistic that oftentimes our love is conditional. Our love is conditional based upon obedience. Our love is conditional based upon a reciprocating return of love. Our love is conditional based upon how they treat us or act towards us, what they say about us or to us. But Christmas, Christmas is not the only reminder of how much God loves you, but also how much you and I should love others. Specifically, what I would say is love each other within the church. And then secondly, how we love our neighbors as ourselves. See, life is too short and the world is too big and God's love is too great to live an ordinary, unconditional, or I mean conditional love type of life. The call should be that we live an unconditional love type. Why? Because God is in us. And as God indwells us, as his spirit moves in us, as his spirit strengthens us, then we love others unconditionally, just as Christ loved us. Right? That's where we get that whole statement. Husbands, love your wives as what? Christ loves the church. Right? That I lay my life down. I lay aside my preferences and my desires and, and all of those things. And I learn to love in an unconditional way. And listen, we need God's help to love people the way he wants us to love them. You have to. You can't do it. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's no way you and I could ever love our enemy, just as Jesus talked about. It's not possible. Because deep down inside, my heart says, you know what? The heck with you. That's why we write people off, isn't it? That's why we kick people out. That's why people move on, and that's why we end up having family problems. Where I, go, I don't want to hang out with my family. If you only knew what they did in the past, my question is this. Do you remember that Jesus knew exactly what you were going to do? And yet he what? Died for you and I. And so the call to be love, the call to love, stems not from our good nature, it stems not from the things that we think we can so easily do inside. It stems only from the power of the Spirit working in your life. If you're a believer, you can love as God loves. If you're not a believer, you can never love as God loves. It's not possible because it's a supernatural thing. It's a gift of the Spirit, and the Spirit is the one who works everything out supernaturally. Keep in mind what happened as a result of the Spirit in the birth narrative, right? Mary bore a child as a result of the Spirit. And likewise, as a result of the Spirit, Joseph changed his mind and didn't divorce her. So listen, the model of love is the love of Christ. If I truly want to love somebody, I love them as Jesus loved them. Because again, he lays it out, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Can I... Can I be on? I'm just going to be honest here at this point. Do you want to know why most churches end up splitting, dividing, separating, having conflict? Anybody want to guess? It's a lack of love. That's 90% of the problem. Now, I want to be very clear. I know churches have split over controversies because of bad heretical teaching and things like that. But 90% of the time, when I've dealt with splits, or when I've met people who have come from splits, matter of fact, heck, you guys understand that this church back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s had three splits, one each decade. 
And let me be very clear on this. It's because there was a lack of love, which is the first fruit of the Spirit. And you can't experience joy, and you can't experience peace, and you can't experience hope when you lack love. I hope, you, I hope we all understand that. Like, because most of us were like, oh, I'll do anything to get peace. I just want some peace or some joy in my life. And you'll never experience it apart from the love of God in your life first. Because love is the primary fruit of the Spirit. Once I get love, all of those other things will come. When I have the love of God in my life, guess what comes? Hope. Why? Because regardless of what happens, no matter what you threaten me with, no matter what you say you could do to my body, I've got hope. Why? Because I know that when I die, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and I am promised an eternity with him. I can walk with peace. Why? Because guess what? No matter what happens, I have the peace of God in my heart as a result of the love of God. Like if you've ever read anything about the, 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 the people who are persecuted overseas, you will see that their peace comes as a result of the love of God in their life. That when somebody says you have to denounce or renounce the name of Jesus or you're going to die and they say, I will gladly go to heaven and serve my master forever. I'm not going to renounce the name of Jesus it's because of the love of God first. They are so overwhelmed with the love God had for them and they are, they are, they are, are immersed in the well of God's love that they say, I don't care what it costs me. And I think about that as we're here in this Christmas season because the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we talked about that. We've shown a couple of videos on that this, this last couple of weeks, but I want you to think about that. We have missionaries around the world who are on mission, living in some of the deepest, darkest areas to share the love of Jesus with those who are absent, those who have never heard, those who have never responded to faith in Christ. And they're willing to lay their life on the line. We have believers around the world in those same countries who have come to faith in Christ who would say it's the love of God that has changed my life and my heart. And that's why I can love those who are going to persecute me. So make no mistake about it. We are called to love one another. Mother Teresa says it this way, when you know how much God is in love with you, then you can only live your life radiating that love. Make no mistake about it, believers, that God is in love with you. And you may be a person today who's here who says, I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross, or maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. I still want you to know this, that God is so in love with you that he sent Jesus. That's the very thing we celebrate Christmas over, that he sent Jesus to be born supernaturally, to live a sinless life, to go to the cross, to bear your burdens and your sins, to die, to be buried, and to rise again three days later. And here's what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter three. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you want to experience the greatest Christmas you'll ever experience? Then you need to experience with the love of God. 
You need to allow the love of God to flow out of you because the Spirit of God is at work in you. You need to allow the Spirit to grow you and to mature you. You need to allow the, the, the love to lead you to the joy and the peace and the hope that is offered. And my question just simply is that. Are you willing to allow Jesus to change you? Do you want to stay immersed in the love of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, it's no easy thing or light thing to talk about your love apart from Christ. And God, maybe there are some today who would say, listen, I have gone through a barnstorm. I just, there is a lot that's weighing on me. Burdens, worries, frustrations, struggles. Today, maybe you just need to turn that over to the Lord. You need to say, God, I want to live in your love. I don't want to be a person who's caught up in the conditions of what the world says love is. I want to walk in an unconditional love. Maybe today you would say, hey, this is the first time I have never placed my faith and trust in Christ. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again and he offers me life and life more abundantly. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You can do that right where you're at today. Call on Jesus. Jesus, I believe you are my Savior. You are Lord. You died on the cross and you rose again. And I give my life to you. I confess I'm a sinner and I want to turn and follow you. I just want to encourage you just right where we're at. Let's stand. We're going to close with this song. I want to ask you, what is God calling you to do? Maybe it's to pray for somebody who you know you need to go to pray with. Maybe you need to make things right in your relationship with them. Maybe it's a simple way that you need to approach the Lord and say, God, give me a heart of love because I so, so desire to hold on to my sinful ways. And God, I need you. I need your power. Let's close with the song.